The Autobiography of Madame Kion by Jean Kion, Volume 2, Chapter 21. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At this time I had my first acquaintance with the Bishop of New. I was introduced by an intimate friend, the Duke of Chevreuse. I gave him the foregoing history of my life, and he confessed that he had found therein such an unction as he had rarely done in other books, and that he had spent three days in reading it, with an impression of the presence of God on his mind all that time. I proposed to the bishop to examine all my writings, which he took four or five months to do, and then advanced all his objections, to which I gave answers. From his unacquaintance with the interior paths, I could not clear up all the difficulties which he found in them. He admitted that looking into the ecclesiastical histories for ages past, we may see that God has sometimes made use of laymen and of women to instruct, edify, and help souls in their progress to perfection. I think one of the reasons of God's acting thus is that glory may not be ascribed to any but to Himself alone. For this purpose He has chosen the weak things of this world to confound such as are mighty. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27 Jealous of the attributes which men pay to other men, which are due only to himself, he has made a paradox of such persons, that he alone may have the glory of his own works. I pray, God, with my whole heart, sooner to crush me utterly with the most dreadful destruction than to suffer me to take the least honor to myself of anything which he has been pleased to do by me for the good of others. I am only a poor nothing. God is all-powerful. He delights to operate and exercise his power by mere nothings. The first time that I wrote a history of myself, it was very short. In it, I had particularized my faults and sins, and said little of the favors of God. I was ordered to burn it, to write another, and in it to omit nothing any way remarkable that had befallen me. I did it. It is a crime to publish secrets of the king, but it is a good thing to declare the favors of the Lord our God and to magnify his mercies. As the outcry against me became more violent and Madame Mendenon was moved to declare against me, I sent to her through the Duke of Beauvilliers, requesting the appointment of proper persons to examine my life and doctrines, offering to retire into any prison until 
fully exculpated. My proposal was rejected. In the meantime, one of my most intimate friends and supporters, Monsieur Focat, was called away by death. I felt his loss very deeply, but rejoiced in his felicity. He was a true servant of God. Determined to retire out of the way of giving offense to any, I wrote to some of my friends and bade them a last farewell, not knowing whether I were to be carried off by the indisposition which I then had, which had been a constant fever for forty days past, or to recover from it. Referring to the countenance of G and the Duchess of M, I wrote, when these ladies and others were in the vanities of the world, when they patched and painted, and some of them were in the way to ruin their families by gaming and profusion of expense in dress, nobody arose to say anything against it. They were quietly suffered to do it. But when they have broken off from all this, then they cry out against me as if I had ruined them. Had I drawn them from piety into luxury, they would not make such an outcry. The Duchess of M., at her giving herself up to God, though herself obliged to quit the court, which was to her like a dangerous rock, in order to bestow her time on the education of her children and the care of her family, which till then she had neglected. I beseech you, therefore, to gather all the memorials you can against me. If I am found guilty of the things they accused me of, I ought to be punished more than any other, since God has brought me to know Him and love Him, and I am well assured that there is no communion between Christ and Belial. I sent them my two little printed books with my commentaries on the Holy Scriptures. I also by their order wrote a work to facilitate the examination and to spare them as much time and trouble as I could, which was to collect a great number of passages out of approved writers, which show the conformity of my writings with those used by the holy penmen. I caused them to be transcribed by the choir as I had written them, in order to send them to the three commissioners. I also, as occasion presented, clear up the dubious and obscure places. I had written them at a time when the affairs of Molinos had not broken out. I used the less precaution in expressing my thoughts, not imagining that they would ever be turned into an evil sense. This work was entitled The Justifications. It was composed in fifty days and appeared to be very sufficient to clear up the matter, but the bishop of New would never suffer it to be read. 
after all the examinations, and making nothing out against me, who would not have thought but they could have left me to rest in peace? Quite otherwise, the more my innocence appeared, the more did they who had undertaken to render me criminal put every spring in motion to effect it. I offered the bishop of Meaux to go to spend some time in, in any community within his diocese, that he might be better acquainted with me. He proposed to me that of St. Mary de Meaux, which I accepted. But in going in the depth of winter, I had like to have perished in the snow, being stopped four hours, the coach having entered into it, and being almost buried in it, in a deep hollow, I was taken out at the door with one maid. We sat upon the snow, resigned to the mercy of God, and expected nothing but death. I never had more tranquility of mind, though chilled and soaked with the snow which melted on us. Occasions like these are such as show whether we are perfectly resigned to God or not. This poor girl and I were easy in our minds, in a state of entire resignation, though sure of dying if we passed the night there and seeing no likelihood of anyone coming to our succor. At length some wagoners came up who with difficulty drew us through the snow. The bishop, when he heard of it, was astonished and had no little self-complacency to think that I had thus risked my life to obey him so punctually. Yet afterward he denounced it as artifice and hypocrisy. There were times indeed when I found nature overcharged, but the love of God and His grace rendered it sweet to me to the very worst of bitters. His invisible hand supported me, else I had sunk under so many probations. Sometimes I said to myself, All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Psalm 42 verse 7 Thou hast bent thy bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. Thou hast caused all the arrows of thy quiver to enter into my veins. Lamentations 3, 12, 13 It seemed to me as if everyone thought if he was in the right to treat me ill and rendered service to God in doing it. I then comprehended that it was the very manner in which Jesus Christ suffered. He was numbered with the transgressors. Mark fifteen twenty-eight. He was condemned by the suffering pontiff, chief priests, doctors of the law, and judges deputed by the Romans, who value themselves on doing justice. Happy are they who, by suffering for the will of God, under all the like circumstances, 
have so near a relation to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. For six weeks after my arrival at New, I was in a continual fever, nor had I recovered from my disposition when I was waited on by the bishop, who would fain have compelled me to give it under my hand, that I did not believe the word incarnate or Christ manifest in the flesh. I answered him that through the grace of God, I know how to suffer even to death, but not how to sign such a falsehood. Several of the nuns who overheard this conversation, perceiving the sentiments of the bishop, joined with the prioress in giving a testimonial not only of my good conduct, but of their belief in the soundness of my faith. The bishop some days after brought me a confession of faith and a request to submit my books to the church that I may sign it, promising to give me a certificate which he had prepared. On my delivering my submission sign, he, notwithstanding his promise, refused to give the certificate. Some time after, he endeavored to make me sign his pastoral letter and acknowledge that I had fallen into those errors which he there lays to my charge, and made many demands of me of the like absurd and unreasonable nature, threatening me with those persecutions I afterward endured in case of no compliance. However, I continued resolute in refusing to put my name to falsehoods. At length, after I had remained about six months at New, he gave me the certificate. Finding Madame Mendenon disapproved of the certificate he had granted, he wanted to give me another in place of it. My refusal to deliver up the first certificate enraged him, and as I understood, they intended to push matters with the utmost violence. I thought that although I was resigned to whatever might fall out, yet I ought to take prudent measures to avoid the threatening storm. Many places of retreat were offered me, but I was not free in my mind to accept of any, nor to embarrass anybody, nor involve in trouble my friends and my family to whom they might attribute my escape. I took the resolution of continuing in Paris, of living there in some private place with my maids, who were trusty and sure, and to hide myself from the view of the world. I continued that for five or six months. I passed the day alone in reading, in praying to God, and in working. But on December 27, 1695, I was arrested, though exceedingly indisposed at that time, and conducted to Vincennes. I was three days in the custody of Monsieur de Grace, who had arrested me.
because the king would not consent to my being put into prison, saying several times over that a convent was sufficient. They deceived him by still stronger calumnies. They painted me in his eyes in colors so black that they made him scruple his goodness and equity. He then consented to my being taken to Vincent's. I shall not speak of that long persecution which has made so much noise for a series of ten years' imprisonments in all sorts of prisons, and of a punishment almost as long and not yet ended, through crosses, calumnies, and all imaginable sorts of sufferings. There are facts too odious on the part of diverse persons, which charity induces me to cover. I have borne long and sore languishings and oppressive and painful maladies without relief. I have been also inwardly under great desolations for several months in such sort that I could only say these words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All creatures seemed to be against me. I then put myself on the side of God against myself. Perhaps some will be surprised at my refusing to give the details of the greatest and strongest crosses of my life after I have related those which were less. I thought it proper to tell something of the crosses of my youth, to show the crucifying conduct which God held over me. I thought myself obliged to relate certain facts, to manifest their falsehood, the conduct of those by whom they had passed, and the authors of those persecutions of which I have been only the accidental object as I was only persecuted in order to involve therein persons of great merit, whom, being out of their reach by themselves, they, therefore, could not personally attack, but by confounding their affairs with mine. I thought I owed this to religion, piety, my friends, my family, and myself. While I was prisoner at Vincent's and Monsieur de la Reine examined me, I passed my time in great peace, content to pass the rest of my life there, if such were the will of God. I sang songs of joy which the maid who served me learned by heart as fast as I made them. We together sang thy praises, O my God, the stones of my prison looked in my eyes like rubies. I esteemed them more than all the gaudy brilliancies of a vain world. My heart was full of that joy which thou givest to them who love thee in the midst of their greatest crosses. When things were carried to the greatest extremities, being then in the best still, I said, O oh my God, 
if thou art pleased to render me a new spectacle to men and angels, thy will be done. December 17, 9. Here she left off her narrative, though she lived a retired life above seven years after this date, what she had written being only done in obedience to the commands of her director, she died June 9, 1717 at Blois in her 70th year. End of the book of the autobiography of Madame Kion. Athens, Greece, July of 2009.